Hi, everyone. This is Deb Kelsbeek with FemPro Business Society. And today we are joined by Nicole Sadik. And Nicole, I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. Okay. So I am Nicole Sadik. I am a business attorney here in Grand Rapids. I've been practicing for about four years now and um, am in the first, almost done with the first year of opening my own firm. So I've been running my own thing here for about a year now. Which is so crazy exciting. Yeah. And I have to say that like, we have been running in the same circles for the past, I want to say it's like close-ish to a year. Like it was like shortly after you started. Um, and I have heard nothing but incredible things about you from other business owners. Well, that's my goal, right? Like I don't want to have, you know, bad people talking badly about me. So I try to do a good job for people and uh, try to offer services that they can't really find elsewhere. So um, yeah, I hope, I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, the one thing I've been hearing the most is how relatable you are, which I think in business, like, we definitely need that. We need someone that can understand what we're going through and be relatable. Yeah, I think that it that probably stems from, honestly, just starting my own business. Like, before I started my own business, I was just a lawyer, and I really only had to worry about the lawyer side of things, right? So when I'm interacting with clients, it's just the legal conversation, but now that I've had the experience of trying to set up my own budget, like buy my own equipment, you know, pay pay myself and think about employees and space and all that stuff, and all the logistics of running a business, I think it's made it a lot easier to relate to people and understand where the problems are with legal services and small businesses. So I guess I can blame that on I'm starting my own firm, but it's definitely helped <laughs> me relate to people who are trying to start their own thing. Huh, I did not even think about that, but that's that's true. Like when you have a lawyer that has been through exactly what you've been through, like yeah, you can definitely advise on experience. Yeah. Oh, that is yeah. good. Um, so when did you actually start your business? I know you said a year ago. Um, so if you can kind of walk us through that, when you started your business, like how did you get started? What brought you to that journey? So I was working at a law firm in Holland. Um, I did business business law there, uh, some business litigation um, collections, kind of a, a lot of the same stuff that I'm doing right now. Um, and I was part of the West Coast Chamber and I just found that there were a lot of small businesses that were not being serviced and when I would ask why it was usually because either they didn't know that they needed help or they were very leery of paying an attorney a ton of money because they're trying to get something started and they're trying to you know budget everything out and make sure that the risk is low and that they're not going to lose everything and you know the typical like entrepreneur worries and in the law firm setting, at least the one that I was in, and I've talked with other business attorneys, it seems like this is fairly standard, is um, there wasn't really a very good place for those people, uh, especially like small, small businesses, like solo run practices or, um, or people who are just getting, getting started. So I kind of had a brainchild when I was starting there that I wanted to offer services closer to where I live, which is Grand Rapids, you know, so, but also um, in a way that would allow those people to have better access 
to help because what you ended up seeing was um, the same people that the, the law firms tended to turn away or they didn't or the businesses that wouldn't hire a law firm because they charged higher rates or whatever you would see them again but they would have to pay them you know and it was in like an emergency situation or litigation or a dispute or something and they'd have to come back uh, because they didn't have the proper stuff to begin with that was kind of proactive so they had to come back and get help eventually anyway and spend the money anyway usually more money um, and I think the relationship was strained because they felt kind of like trapped into this like now I gotta hire a lawyer kind of feeling where I think that in my practice what my goal was to try to start the relationship a little bit smoother like you want to hire me because I have things that I can do for you and I can make it easy for you to afford that and also get the information that you need without charging a thousand dollars an hour so <laughs> that was kind of my goal getting started um, so I started in, in July of last year and was pretty nervous because I didn't really have, I mean, I had a lot of connections to Holland, but I hadn't really practiced law in Grand Rapids um, in a while. So I didn't have a ton of connections. So I just kind of jumped in um, various networking groups and women's groups and found a nice little spot where there are a lot of uh, women-owned, particularly businesses that are these side hustles and women have usually not a very good idea of what they need or how to how to protect themselves and just want somebody to tell them what they what they need to have and so that's kind of the space that I found myself in and I really love it amazing and I'm gonna be going back to some of the things you just said but so I want to go ahead and dig into this um, because I'm really excited about this conversation and know that you're incredibly knowledged, knowledgeable, however <laughs> you want to say it. Um, so we're going to use this scenario. If I have like this amazing business idea and have no idea what to do next, aside from having like this epic, you know, brainchild idea, um, what are the next steps that I should be doing aside from having this great idea? So, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking on the lawyer side of it, but just as general practical advice, it's probably a good idea to run your idea by like 10 other people to see if anybody wants what you're offering, <laughs> just as a first starter. Oh. Um, but besides that, it, I, I think obviously because I'm a lawyer, I am coming from the standpoint of how can you start your business in a way in which you're not opening yourself up to liability in the future because of your transactions with other people through your business. So my first question to my, you know, potential clients that I meet with is usually, what do you want to do? You know, how, how, how are you going to do it? And what sort of entity can we set up that allows you to do that in the easiest way possible while shielding you from potential liability? So, um, and that's typically because I work a lot with really small businesses, like single member businesses, single owner businesses, that's almost always an LLC. That doesn't mean that that's the only thing that there is out there. There's lots of ways to incorporate or organize your business. Um, but that's the simplest and um, kind of the easiest way to get yourself going and allow yourself a little bit of, um, a little bit of, uh, uh, room and, and lack of fear because 
you might be thinking, okay, I'm getting into a business transaction with somebody. What if this goes south? I don't want to lose my house or my car or have, you know, all these business credit expenses coming back to haunt me. So how do you set it up in a way in which you have your personal stuff separate from your business stuff? And that's usually the first conversation that I have. And typically, like I said, that's an LLC for most people. Um, and that kind of gets them gets them rolling with at least the liability shield up. Okay, and I think that you, you just made an excellent point is that sometimes people will start this business and they'll try to do it all on their own. And then they realize like, oh, I hope I did this right. I think I need a lawyer after they've already done all this stuff. But I know from my personal standpoint, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have absolutely gone to a lawyer to set up all the legality, figuring out was an LLC the right move or you know what, what are my other options and how do I protect my personal from my business? Um, yeah, I think that's also like, that's one huge thing that I think people try to take on their own and they look online when reality is that they need to save their butts <laughs> and go to a lawyer first. Um, another thing that I know as a business owner that's been coming up a lot, um, especially in the events industry are contracts. And I know you and I have already worked together on one contract, <laughs> which mm -hmm. was huge lifesaver you guys like it was needed i needed her i needed nicole um but yeah so within the event industry uh, contracts have been coming up a lot um is there like a general contract that you would suggest that a business starts with so typically after the conversation about just getting yourself organized that's the, the the very next question out of my mouth is who are you working with like who are your clients um what are you doing right are you offering a good or are you offering a service and and if you're looking at kind of trying to answer the question of what's the basic contract that i need i think obviously it's going to vary depending on what you're doing but um, I think a good starting point for any business owner is to look at where your risks are. So if you're doing a lot of transactions, like a very transactional business, like you're selling um, a small good at high quantity or something, you're going to want to have some sort of, especially if it's online, you're going to want to have some sort of terms and conditions of sale. Like that's a pretty simple, basic um, starting point. On the other hand, if you're, like you said, an event in the event industry and you have basically you're offering a service then your risk is really going to be um, offering that service and also making sure that you get paid for it especially if certain things happen or go wrong right so if the client doesn't want to pay if the event doesn't happen if um, they don't like the final result. Like all of those things need to be laid out in detail beforehand. That's where your main risk is. So when you're starting um, a business, you want to see where, where could there be disputes with either clients or um, in some cases there are people who have like suppliers, like they sell um, coffee and they have a coffee supplier and a really huge impact on their business would be if that supplier just said, I'm not going to let you supply my coffee anymore, right? So anything that could take your business out with one decision is something that you might want to have in writing with that party, whether it be a vendor, a supplier, or um, a client or customer. Oof, that is a 
scary thought that you can have one contract that can either make or break your business. Yeah, and that really is is kind of what it comes down to, which is goes back to my point at the beginning, where if you don't have some of that stuff in place to begin with because of whatever reason, like the lawyer talked to charges too much or you aren't really sure if you really need it, um, which I also think is probably the lawyer's fault. The lawyer needs to be telling you why you need the things that they're saying you need, right? They need to give you that explanation. Um, but if you don't have that in place and you end up getting in a dispute, it could potentially cost you your business or at least that client and, and whatever you have invested in that project, which for small startups is, is not a small cost. I mean, you're trying to get every project through, you're trying to get paid on everything you can possibly get paid on to actually make some money. So if you lose one big project or one big client, it could sink you. So yeah, there, the contracts are, are usually the next biggest conversation for sure. Which I do want to say for, for um, anyone that's like starting a business, and when it comes to the funding, if you're worried about funding to be able to afford a lawyer, absolutely go to places like if you're local to the Grand Rapids area and listening to this, um, it's like go to Spring GR or Grow or um, Michigan Women Forward. Like they have grants and loans to help small businesses. Um, I'm trying to think of any others that would be more national. Um, but you can look those up as well for small business loans. Well, and they have, they have connections with local attorneys that offer services at either discounted or, or, um, or pro bono rates. So I work with grow quite a bit with, um, startups just getting, usually it's LLC organization, but, um, they have, they give their clients or grow gives their, whoever comes to them, their clients, a, uh, contact and legal accounting, whatever they might need, and they can contact that person and that person is supposed to supply some sort of either free consultation or a discounted rate or something for those people to get up and running. So it's also a good resource on that end outside of just educational. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so kind of going back to the contracts, when it comes to um, I, I guess in my brain, I always go to events because that is my world. Um, so I'm not sure how this would be covered with product-based businesses. Um, so I'm going to ask the question on the events end, uh, because I know a lot of us, even if it's, I'm selling a product, but I'm going to a vendor show type of a thing. Um, so a lot of our contracts, it did include like an act of God clause but we're being told also that that doesn't include a pandemic um the other thing that i've been hearing is that people's contracts say deposits instead of retainers uh but all this verbiage and how would you suggest that we go about getting this fixed to make sure that we are protected because obviously this pandemic nobody saw it coming uh so making sure that if this were to ever come up again that we're covered yeah, and it is it is kind of a weird area because it's brand I mean it's brand new. I mean essentially to modern legal field. It's kind of a brand new uh issue. That being said, there are ways to prepare a contract for contingencies like that. Whether you list pandemic, act of God, or whatever, um, 
typically what you want to do in a contract, whether it's services or, or even goods in some occasions, although goods are a little bit different. Um, although you can make the argument that the supply chain has definitely been a, a bit screwed up from this COVID thing. So even people selling goods, like they can't, they can't get a hold of the goods that they're offering. So there's, you know, some, some issues there as well. But um, I think what would be important to include in your contracts or make sure is included is just to kind of cover those contingencies um, on a, on a broad, in a broad way. So you could say, for example, what ha in the event space, what happens if my event gets canceled, right? So that should be kind of a section in your contract and it can be broken down with, um, are these terms going to change? Is the, is the outcome going to change? Um, to, uh, whether the part, it's a party's responsibility for, for the event being canceled or not. So is it, was the event canceled by nobody's fault? Like a thunderstorm took out the gazebo you're going to get married under, or is it the responsibility of the event planner? Like she got in a car accident and can't be there. Or was it the responsibility of the party? Like we are going to get married and now we hate each other. You know, so all of those things are different, um, potential issues that you don't have to specify the reason necessarily why the event's not taking place, but the party that's responsible and then the outcome dependent on that party. So if it's nobody's fault, the outcome is probably gonna be different than if it's one party's fault or the other. So if it's the, if the, if it's the client's fault, for example, then the event planner has put a lot of time and energy into it, should have some ability to collect at least a portion of the fee. Um, and it shouldn't be ambiguous. Like, if this happens, I keep my deposit. That's it, right? Or um, if the event planner cancels, she refunds the deposit or whatever, you know? So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, specific to what actually happens, but it should be very clear about the outcome uh, and, and the party that's responsible. So in this case, with a pandemic, like nobody's really at fault. Like, you can't take, pictures at a wedding if the wedding can't happen, right? So, I mean, it's not really anybody's fault. And so in that case, you'd have a section that would say, okay, in the event that something happens and, and the event can't go through at no fault of any party, then usually it's like we split the loss, essentially. Like event planner typically has something invested, should be able to collect a little bit for the time and, and energy. That's usually where a depositor or retainer comes in. That's why you collect it up front to begin with, um, just to make sure your, your work is covered up until the point you get paid finally. Um, so that's the purpose of it. Uh, so splitting that in some way that seems equitable um, should be in your contract. And, and that's gonna depend on how flexible you wanna be with your clients. Like some people are like, I'm never giving back a cent. Like once I get a deposit, it's mine. And you can certainly write that in your contract, but if your client reads it and they look at it and think, okay, well that, you know, seems a bit harsh, then they might not hire you, you know? So it's a little bit of marketing, a little bit of finesse and um, making sure ultimately though, that you're going to be able to cover any losses that you might experience um, depending on the situation. And now this is my own personal question. Uh, if I already have a contract that was created by a different lawyer at another time, and I want to make sure after all of this new stuff comes up that I'm going to be covered, is that something that you'd be able to take a look at to make sure that all the bases are covered here? 
Yes, um, but I will say, I guess it depends on where your contract originally came from. So in my experience, people, are at, people typically ask me to review stuff that's never been drafted by an attorney. And in that case, I almost always tell them, if you got this off the internet, I'll take a look at it, but I'm not gonna charge you to review and offer comments on this because I know I'm probably gonna have to redo it. <laughs> you know, So I'll look at it real quick first, and if it looks like it's semi-savable, you know, then I'll just charge you a lower fee to change it and update it. Um, but if it was drafted by an attorney, a lot of times it just takes a little bit of tweaking. And so in those cases, I can, at least in my practice, I offer a flat rate to look it over. It's usually dependent on the page page number. You know, if it's a super long contract, it takes a lot of time to, to get through, then it might be a little bit higher. But um, I'll review it offer my comments and my recommendations and then leave it up to you. You can either, you know, make those changes yourself. You can hire me to make those changes. You can have me do a completely new one. Um, but I have found in the past that if people have brought me things that they've either done themselves or gotten off a, a you know, a template online, um, they say, yeah, I'll pay you a hundred dollars to review this. And so I charge them a hundred dollars and it's almost always needs to be completely redone. And then I feel bad because they've already spent $100 on this and they don't actually have a contract that works, you know, or any, um, probably not a really an ability to fix it themselves. You know what I mean? So usually if that's the case, I just say up front, I can either redo it or, you know, that's probably, the, <laughs> I'll redo it for you after I do a quick glance at it. If it's salvageable, then we'll do the, the review and the edit charge instead of the brand new contract charge which is always a little bit higher to start from scratch so i try to balance that out but that is a challenge um in my in my business because a lot of entrepreneurs do like to do things by themselves and frankly like they're pretty good at a lot of stuff but um it's hard to know everything they don't have the time or the resources to know all the things that they need to know especially about contract writing so um it can get kind of tricky <laughs> I have to admit, like, I know I was that person. I started my first business when I was 17. And like, I only started that young because my dad was a business owner, which he should have knocked me upside the head when it came to contracts. Like he worked with them daily, uh, but the conversation just never came up. And so throughout the years, I would like be adding things to my contract as situations came up and, you know, I'd get things from the internet. Uh, so by the end of the, like, I'm going to be totally honest, my contract was a mess until I brought it to a lawyer. And this was a little while ago by now. And yeah, he did the same thing where he looked it over and he's like, I am so sorry. I cannot salvage this. <laughs> like, yeah. I get what you're trying to say and it makes sense in your own head. But to any lawyer that would be like fighting this contract, this does not cover you. Um, so anyone listening as well, if you try to pull things off the internet and piece it together, like, please just go to a lawyer and get a real contract so that you don't come up to having a problem and realize that you're not covered. Like you put well, so much into your business, like don't, don't put it to chance. Right. And I see that a lot. I'm not trying to pick on any specific client base, but I, I have had that more commonly with the marketing field than anywhere else. And I think it's because um, marketers are very good at um, 
producing um, some sort of like giving their services out in, in a very pleasing way, right? Like they don't want to sound, um, you know, they don't want to talk about collection in their contract, right? When they think about my client's going to sign this, I want them to be happy about it. I want them to see all the great things that they're going to get and not be worried if something goes wrong. They want to um, emphasize the positive, which is what they do. I mean, that's exactly what they should be doing in their own business. And that's why they help other people do that. That's why I need somebody to help me with my marketing, right? Like they're good at that. Um, but a lot of the marketing contracts are woefully undone because they, they have only the positives and they don't account for, you know, the disputes or the negative relationships because you don't want to think about those when you're trying to, you know, bring on client. That doesn't necessarily mean that the contract shouldn't include those though, you know, so you have to kind of separate what looks good and, and what also needs to be there and try to balance those two things out. So what are some reasons why as a business owner we should start building that relationship with the lawyer before we actually need one because we've been talking about the contract end where it's that point where it's the after so what about like the before the contract even happens before any issues come up like why should we find a lawyer that fits like you know it's a good fit um before anything actually comes up well, I think the most important key there is that you might not know where your gaps are, right? Um, and your lawyer is most likely, because lawyers are, you know, by nature, very risk averse. So they're going to point out all these things that could potentially happen, like sort of like an insurance salesman, right? Like your house could burn down, you know, you need homeowners insurance. I feel like lawyers kind of that line sometimes there are a lot of ways in which your business could be at risk and so that's kind of their job to point all of those things out and from a legal perspective I kind of pointed to this a little bit earlier entrepreneurs are, are really good at doing things by themselves that's why they're entrepreneurs right they they get themselves up and running um, and there's a lot of things that even legally that you could probably handle by yourself like you can probably get an LLC up and running by yourself to an extent, there are some things that I think you should have an attorney for, but for the most part, there are a lot of things that people can do on their own. And I think, um, but I do think that there is a line there where you get to the point where you've done everything that you know how to do, and you either have the intuition that uh, I might be at risk here, so I need help because I don't know how to do that part. Or you might just be completely oblivious to a potential liability because it's not your world, like risk and liability is not the world that you live in all the time. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's fair to put that pressure on yourself either. Like I, I see that a lot, particularly with women, like they think that they have to know everything. And if they don't know everything about the legal world, then they're obviously a terrible business owner. And that just cracks me up because it's like, I went to law school for three years to learn all this stuff, you know, and it's taken me four years in my practice to get to the educational point that I am now where I can advise people pretty easily, you know, so it takes time to build that, that information, that education. And I, I just, so I, I try to give business owners a little bit of a break and a little bit of leeway because you, you shouldn't have to know all that stuff. Like that's not your job. Like you need to worry about 
your services or your goods that you're really good at doing. Like that's what you got into business for. You didn't get into business for to know everything about, you know, your your legal liability. Like that's not and that's usually not anything entrepreneurs want to think about anyway, you know. So hopefully that's where I can come in. And that's where the relationship building can start because you might, like I said, you might not know where those gaps are. So if you start kind of building a relationship with an attorney upfront, and particularly if they're open to giving you information without charging you, you know, then you can kind of um, glean some information off of them. And then eventually you'll kind of see where those gaps are with their help and, and be able to fill them before it becomes an issue. So we've definitely touched base a little bit on the entrepreneur that believes that they cannot afford to hire someone like you um, because they're either just starting out or they're just trying to survive. Like, what would you say to the entrepreneur that is attempting to do everything on their own and out of fear, not, not taking that next step to getting a lawyer or attorney on their side, like on their team? Um, the first thing that I always say to those people is I 100% agree with you. That is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing because I saw the same problem when I was working for a law firm. So that's why I started the firm and I'm trying to build my practice around those people because I think that there is a gap and there is a problem there. Um, and so I, I try to do a couple of things. Like the two main, I think I kind of touched on those, the two main areas that I saw that were really lacking is education. Like people don't know what they need. And they're afraid to ask because attorneys will start the clock and charge you for all the questions that you ask them. So um, that's not, you know, super helpful for somebody who's like, yeah, I can only spend $300 this month on my business or I'm going to be in the negative, you know, so like they need us, they need to know that educational piece without spending money. <laughs> and that's just not something that a lot of attorneys are, are willing to do for whatever reason, which baffles me a little bit because I have found the more information that I've given out, the more free advice that I give out, um, the more clients will just say, yeah, I think I'm going to hire you. <laughs> because if you actually like give them a good description of what they need, they realize, oh, that's why you hire a lawyer. <laughs> like that's the lawyer's job. Like, and I don't understand why the legal market shies away from that because the more information that you give out, the more likely it is that they say, hmm, She's really educated. She knows what she's talking about. I only understood about half of the things that I need. So obviously I just need to hire her <laughs> to do it, right? So the education piece is the one, and that's the one thing that I'm, one of the things I'm trying to build my practice around. So I try to offer um, free checklists, free you know, uh, forms or templates or whatever to people who, to give them a good idea or answer their basic questions before hiring me. The second part that I think is really lacking is, to your point, the, the legal fees. People are very terrified, and rightly so, of paying legal fees, which again, my answer is I totally understand you because that's, again, one of the things that I went into practice on, on my own for. Um, hourly rates are high, like highest hourly rates that any profession has, and um, the client rarely understands why things take the time that they do or what the attorney is doing. And usually if they get an invoice that says, oh, I reviewed email from client 
took me six minutes. So that's going to be $25. <laughs> the client looks at that and says, I'm never emailing him again or her again, or I'm never calling him or her again, which just seems like a very counterproductive relationship to me. On top of all that, I hate billing my time. Like it's a waste of my time. I feel like I spend an hour every day when I was working at a firm just writing down or clicking in my little software program all of the things that I did and how long it took me. And it's like, this is just a colossal waste of time. So when I started my own, my goal was to give basic, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to do work for free, right? But I want to be able to offer my services at a price that's reasonable and set. Like that's the main point. And I have found that even if a project is higher than a client anticipated, if they know that this is my all-in cost, they're much more likely to hire me than if they're like, if I tell them, well, you'll get an invoice at the end of the month that says how long it took me to do it. And I honestly don't know how the legal field has been getting away with it for so long because there's almost no other profession that's able to do that, that's able to say, I'm going to charge you for an unlimited amount of time to do this project and you have no idea how long it's going to take me and I don't have to tell you how long it's going to take me and I'm still going to bill you and you still have to pay me. And also the rates are really high. <laughs> There's not really any other field that does that. And especially as technology improves and, and there's kind of this like subscription-based market or gig market, right? Like where you just pay for what you get. Um, it seems to make a lot more sense to me. Maybe this is the millennial side of me speaking, but like for people to just pay or know what they're gonna pay and get what they pay for. Like that seems very simple to me. Um, and so far it's worked for me. I think a lot of the attorneys that I've talked to have told me that, you know, I'm not charging enough or I should just do hourly because it's easier. And I have stuck to my gun so far. And maybe, maybe this will be a colossal failure in a year or two, I'll be out of business, but I don't think so because a lot of the people that have hired me wouldn't have hired an attorney otherwise. And that's, that's my, my goal. Like I want to help those people that aren't going to be able to do it any other way and offer it in a way that's different and unique and actually is useful to them and not just a pain in everybody's butt. So yeah, that's sort of the, I guess my response to the, the legal field. I'm on a, I'm on a, a crusade of my own, I guess you could say. <laughs> Which I love that you brought up kind of full circle because we started with it. Um, people's feedback about working with you has been that they love that you educate them, that you are very upfront about like your pricing, that it's not, it, it takes away this anxiety of, I don't know how long you're gonna take on this and I don't know how much it's gonna cost, but you're like, for this task, this is about how much this is gonna be. Um, but then you also educate along the way. And so I love also hearing from you, like, cause that's what I'm hearing from other business owners that have worked with you but also hearing from you that that's completely your mission and what you're trying to do. So what you're trying to do is totally relating to others. So that's a good thing. That's good to know. Yeah. And that's the feedback that I've gotten. I've actually found that, like I said earlier, the more education that I give and the more transparent I am about my pricing, it's like the referrals come in faster. Like the more that I do that, the more that people are like, yes, yeah, she's the one to go to. And 
on top of that, I mean, obviously, like everybody goes into business to make money. So that's a good thing. That's a good feeling, right? Like I want my business to succeed. I want my, my plan to work, right? But um, there's also an additional piece of like, it just feels, it also feels satisfying to know that um, what I'm trying to do is actually working on like a personal level. So that's good to hear, I guess. <laughs> and you are also helping make small businesses dreams come true. Like you're making sure that they're covered. Um, like you're a part of that journey. And I think that's really cool. That's the fun part. I, Cause I have, I always tell my clients, this is, I have like no creative ability. I don't get, I don't, I can't take pictures. I can't like, you know, do amazing planning. I can't, you know, I'm like really terrible at marketing. So, you know, like all I have is this like boring legal part skill, you know, and, and, and that's a lot to people because they don't have that skill, you know, so that, that means something to those people, but I get to live vicariously through all of the clients that I help because I get to see them do all these amazing things. And, you know, sometimes businesses fail and that's always a downside and that's always a risk, but for the most part, they're not going to fail because of me, right? Like they're not going to fail because they don't have something that they needed to have that they wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. Um, so that is a good feeling, but um, yeah, I, I also like being able to um, see all of the great things that they do in the community and, and say, yeah, like I, I wrote their contract or, you know, I helped organize their LLC or whatever the case may be. So yeah, that's a fun part of my job. Like I saw them from the bottom and now they're here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Nicole. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I know we definitely went over time. Um, <laughs> but we could not be more thankful for you being part of this community and taking this time today to sit down with me and kind of chat small business. Um, is there anything that you want to say as we close up today's session? Um, I don't think so. Other than I, you know, I think that you guys are doing a great job with the FemPro Business Society. I think that's a great resource for people, which is why I like to be involved and why I like to do things like this. Um, I, there's a great group of women that are um, kind of coalescing around you and it's it's sort of great to see because um, it's a very open and honest group and uh, really loyal and I like that it's a, it's a nice place to to grow your business and uh, in conjunction with other people growing their businesses so it's it's a really nice atmosphere so um, I could return the thanks to you guys for for setting this up and for um, just doing a great job connecting people. You are so sweet. Thank you so much. All right, well, I'm gonna hop off here. So we will talk to you soon, Nicole. All right, thanks, Deb. All right, bye.